The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Um, we're going to continue this our third week in our series talking about money, talking about specifically generosity. And the first week we discussed what do you fear? Jesus in Luke chapter 12 started talking about this topic, but he didn't talk about bank accounts or he didn't talk about what people were giving or weren't giving. He went right to what do you fear, right? Because we realize that what you fear reveals what you value most. And, and what you value most is what you worship and serve. So we had to ask that question the first week. What do you fear most? Do you fear God most? Or do you fear others? Do you fear insecurity? Do you fear poverty, etc.? What do you fear most? Is it the sovereign God of the universe or is it something else? Because what you fear most reveals what you value most. What you value most is what you worship, right? And then last week we talked about stewardship. Remember our big idea was stewardship. God, it's God owns it and we use it. And we have to understand that every financial decision, everything we use of our resources is a spiritual decision, all right? And you say, really, right? Like my decision between lemonade or sweet tea at Chick-fil-A, they're both good choices. That was a spiritual decision, yes. Everything you have, all that money in your bank account, all the resources you have at your fingertips, you don't have because of you, because of how smart you are, because of how hard you work, but because God has blessed your hard work, God has blessed uh, uh, whatever you've done, it's all his, it, he owns it, and we use it. We talked about specific ways that the Bible speaks to how we use our resources, specifically our money, how we spend, how we save, and how we give, but the big idea over Overall is this idea of stewardship. God owns it. We simply use it. And God's called us to a life of generosity, a life of giving. We work to give. Acts 20, 35 says, In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So it says in this scripture that we work hard. Why? To give. We work hard to bless other people. How countercultural is that, right? We live in a culture of me, mine, and and. and it's, it's all mine. It's, I work hard so that I can play hard, right? I worked hard so I earned this. I deserve this. No, no, no. This is saying now as believers, God owns it. We use it. So we work hard so that the Lord will bless our hard work so that we can participate with him in our generosity and bless others. So before we can move on, I need you to understand this. Before we can move on, I need you to agree with me on this or at least hear that I'm coming from this angle right here that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you will live a generous life. God gave all so we, as we mirror the Lord Jesus, we give all, all right? We have to understand that. If you're following the Lord Jesus, if you love the Lord Jesus, if you want the heart of the Lord Jesus, then you will live a generous life, plain and simple. And we have to agree on that before we move on. Now, we're going to be focusing most of our attention on, on money, the resource of money, because of the scriptures we've been in and, and kind of concluding that today. But living a generous life extends so much further than that, right? You could give a lot of money and still not be a generous person right? It extends so much more than that. I'll give you an example. Galatians 6.12 tells us this, bear one another's burdens <clears throat> and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? You have to be generous with your ears. You have to hear those people out. You have to be generous with your time. The most precious gift I can give you is not my money, right? The most precious gift I can give you is my time, right? 
my kids one day aren't going to come up to me and say like, you know, you just never gave me enough money, dad. Right? You know what I mean? How many kids, how many adults are in therapy? My allowance was just, it was so low, right? Like, no, what is it? Time. It's the most precious gift that I can give you. And so that, that's something that, that you have to be generous with, to give time to people, to be the shoulder to cry on, or to, or to alleviate that burden in their life, physically or emotionally. And lastly, energy. We have to be generous with our energy, right? It takes considerable energy to bear someone's burden, right? It takes emotional energy, right? Sometimes it takes physical energy, right? Have you ever got that phone call? Like, hey, you've got a truck, right? Oh, man. Yes, right? You're moving, aren't you? Yeah, but it's no big deal. My apartment, it's not on the first floor, but it's not on the sixth floor either, right? It's right in the middle, okay, right? And you got a truck, right? You're going to be here, right? Sometimes it takes considerable energy emotionally and physically. But our focus on this generous life will be specifically on our resource uh, of money. And in this next passage of Scripture, Jesus gives us a great motivator to live generously. Look at Luke chapter 12. Turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to pick up in verse 22, all right? If you don't have a Bible, there should be some underneath uh, the chairs, a little white Bibles. That's our gift to you. You take it with you if your neighbor has a Bible and and you like theirs better, just, just take it and tell them it's better to give than to receive, all right? Um, and tell them they're not being generous enough. Um, but anyway, look in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So Jesus just told them what in these scriptures? What did he tell them? If you could sum it up, right, what does he tell them? He says, don't be anxious. In other words, don't be afraid. There are plenty of things in our, in our world to fear, aren't there? Like some of the most common are what? Like heights, snakes, clowns, right? And like I'm not, I'm not afraid of those things individually. Put them together, it might be another story, right? I might be on a really high place and a clown pop out at me holding a snake. I'm afraid of that, all right? That's a weird situation that I'm in, and I hope I wake up from it, right? So we have like, like similar fears. We think of fears like that, but probably more common are fears like this, that you know you, you keep getting that call from that 866 number, and you're pretty sure it's a collection agency because of that bill that you got behind on. Or, or maybe um, you, you take your, your daughter, maybe her name happens to be Piper Grace, and uh, you go to a hospital. That, that your doctor tells you is in your network and it's not and you get a giant bill and they say good luck with it right like maybe there's that fear or, or maybe you, you go to your kids it's time for your kids to go back to school and they want slash maybe need some new clothes as they go back to school but you know what Santa didn't leave enough gift cards for that but look at what Jesus said don't be anxious about those things. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat, not about your body, what you'll put on. Life's more than that. It's more than food. The body's more than clothing. So our big idea for today, the thing that, that if you walk out of here and, and someone says, what did that, that crazy man on the stage say to you today? Maybe you can repeat this to them. A generous life is fearless. A generous life is fearless. Now, I'm sure a lot of us in this room are reluctant to live a generous life for fear, for a lot of the fears that are probably just listed, right? But a generous life is fearless. And we're going to find this in Luke chapter 12 as we break down um, what Jesus has to say to us today. I want to say this as a side note. I say this a lot, but, but I think it's worth saying. 
we're, we're not using a fine-tooth comb today as we go through these scriptures. And the Lord might have a lot to say to you out of Luke chapter 12. I encourage you to revisit that this week and look, look through it for yourself. Um, take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 12, and meet with the Lord and see what he has to say to you. All right. So the first reason why a generous life is fearless is because it's inspired. Look at verse 22. We're going to pick up there again. Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you being anxious, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Skip to verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What's the main thing that pops out at you with these verses? What's, what's something in these verses that makes you go, you know what, it's time for me to stand up and shout. This is an exciting revelation, right? What is it? It's the generosity of God. Look at verse 24. God feeds the birds of how much more value are you than the birds. Verse 28. How much more, if he, if he clothes the, the flowers of the field, how much more will he clothe you? Verse 32. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. A generous life is fearless. Why? Because it's inspired by the proven generosity of God. It's inspired by the proven generosity of God. He's proven it through nature. Verse 24 and 28, he takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers, right? This world is taken care of under the sight and under the guidance of the Lord Jesus himself. He's proven his generosity through nature. He's also proven his generosity through his son. It's your father's good pleasure, verse 32, to give you the kingdom. How? Through the cross, through his son. He gave his only son. So be fearless. Anytime you get a bill that you can't pay, listen, are the birds still chirping? As surely as the birds chirp, God hasn't forgotten you. Anytime there's a need that's gonna stretch you to fill it, you say, you know what, God, I see that need. I want to help. I wanna meet there. That, but that, that's really gonna stretch me. Look at the flowers of the field. Is there still grass growing around them? God has grown grass for his glory to provide for those flowers. Now God's giving you an opportunity to be used for his glory to provide for that person. Anytime you have to sacrifice your time for someone else. Look at the generosity of God in the cross of Jesus for you. In the words of Jesus, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. The proven generosity of God inspires the generous life to, to fearlessness. If God is for us, who can be against us? The second thing, a generous life is fearless because it's focused. It's not just Focus. It it's not just that, wow, I'm focused, but it's focused on the eternal, the lasting, the unchanging kingdom of God. Look at verse 29. And do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Look, look at the words it used here in verse 29. Do not seek 
what you're to eat. Look at verse 30. All the nations of the world seek after these things. What does that mean? What does that seek mean? It means that a deliberate striving for, all right? So deliberately striving for. Wouldn't you call that a focus? It w- wouldn't you call that focused, right? I'm deliberately striving, living my life towards this. Wouldn't that be defined as, as focused, if, you, if they interviewed, you know, an athlete, maybe, maybe looking towards the draft, the NFL draft is coming up, pray for the Titans, if you will, right? So an NFL draft is coming up, and they go speak to someone about to enter the draft, right? And they say, I am deliberately striving to be at my top physical performance to make an NFL team. Wouldn't someone who interviews someone and hear that answer, couldn't they describe that person accurately as focused, right? So that's focused. And what what does Jesus say that all the nations are focused on, are deliberately striving for? Verse 29, eat what you'll eat and what you'll drink. So they're focused on provision, right? Verse 29, also fear. You think that's true? Do you think that's true? Do you think that most of the world is focused on provision and are fearful? Do you think that's true? Let me ask you this. Wouldn't you say that most Americans work to provide for themselves mainly? Wouldn't they say that's why they're working? Meaning that they're focused on getting theirs, their promotion, their newer, nicer house, their fill-in-the-blank American dream, right? Right? Wouldn't you say that that's true? Doesn't that sound a lot like being focused, striving after what you'll eat and what you'll drink? After provision? Wouldn't you also say that most Americans experience a large amount of stress and worry as they pursue this endeavor of providing for themselves? Doesn't that sound like verse 29, worry? Why does this way of living produce fear? Because ultimately, what they pursue is never enough, right? Because lifestyles change, so now I need more and more, right? I already told you, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, talking about just as my wife and, and I moved through stages of life, we, we just kind of followed what, what America told us to follow, right? As, as things happen, as you grow older, you get nicer things, right? And, and so when we got married, we, we had to have a guest bedroom because married people have People spend the night, apparently, I don't know, right? And so we had to have a guest bedroom, and we had to furnish it nicely. And so we got this super nice bed, and, and, and all it served were my cats, right? Like, those are the only people who stayed the night on that stupid, expensive furniture, right? But we had to have it, right? So as our life got bigger, so did our, our what we needed. It was never enough. And these things you thought you couldn't lo- live without uh, eventually will lose their luster, right? That nice TV you got, guess what? Now they came out with 3D. Oh, you have the 3D? 4D. I don't get it either, but it's out there, right? It's, it's getting more and more. The car that you needed and you thought, this is it. This is going to do it for me. It's eventually going to break down. You get tired maybe of living in that dream house or maybe it springs a leak or 30, right? Etc. Etc. It's never enough. And ultimately, you can't control all the factors, all the threats against your perfect life. You may have a plan about having kids. You might say, you know what? All right, this next, we just, we want a girl. That's what we're going to have. And then surprise, twins, right? I don't know what that's like, but it sounds crazy, all right? Maybe you have your kid's college tuition planned out, right? They've got certain scholarships, and you're going to pay this part, and I'll take care of this, and I'll make sure your, your car stays filled with gas, right? And then all of a sudden, you realize that after a semester, no one told them you had to go to class, right? 
And then they lose all those scholarships, and all of a sudden, your plan for financial security for yourself and your family, it's changed. Maybe the housing market could crash. I don't know. Has that ever happened, right? Maybe your 401k could be empty. You can't control everything, right? And it leads to fear. Ultimately, it's never enough. You can't control all the factors, and so there are constant threats. And in this way of doing things, it's all, the buck stops with me. It's all on me. My focus is me, so it's all on me. And of course, that results in fear. But look at the inverse. Look at verse 31. Instead, instead, let's go another direction. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Strive for his kingdom, right? In this way of living, where's our focus? Not on yourself, but on God. And in this verse, he's saying, put your focus and strive towards doing things God's way. Strive towards living in a way that honors God. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of everything else. You look at me, and you let me take care of everything else. Do you see how this focus alleviates fear? So when you go to work, be generous with your effort and work hard because you're working for God. Let him take care of your promotion because he's bigger than your promotion. When it comes to a rough relationship, be generous with your energy and try to be blameless as you seek to reconcile with that person as God commands and trust him to fix that situation because he's bigger than that situation. When you see a need that needs to be met, be generous with your resources and trust God to provide because he's bigger than your need. Verse 12 Luke 12, verse 31 says, Seek first his kingdom. Strive first for his way of doing things. Seek to live and strive to live generously as he's commanded. And don't worry, because he will take care of you. Thirdly, a generous life is fearless because it's rewarded. Look at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heavens that that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moths destroy. The uh, Golden Globes were the other night. Anybody watch it? Yeah, I wouldn't raise my hand either. But uh, the Golden Globes were the other night, and and I might might have caught a couple highlights. Uh, But a movie, uh, Les Mis, uh, who's seen Les Mis? Thank you, thank you, manly men who would actually raise their hand at that, right? I watched it by myself, no big deal. Uh, so anyway, Les Mis won a ton of awards. And when I was a kid, I thought about these award shows and I thought how incredible it would be to one day stand there and everybody recognize how great you are at what you do, right? Like, like that was like a dream. And then you think like, I'll be remembered forever. And I started to think like, who won Golden Globe for Best Picture in 2010? I don't remember. What, what about 2000? I have no idea. What, what about 95? I, I don't know. What about the Oscars? What about the Grammys? Who won last year? I don't know. Think about those things they're, they're working for. This is their reward. Some literally said in their acceptance speeches, I don't know because, again, I didn't watch it, but someone told me about it. Someone said in their acceptance speeches, this is what I've worked my whole life for. This is the reward, Right? Think about it. 
Nobel, Nobel Prize winners, they die and their awards go into storage. Oscar winners wash up and young actors replace them. Top salesmen in companies get outsold the next year. The people who sing your praises at work, in your neighborhood, your church, or wherever, they're going to move on. The retirement that you've saved will be lost in the markets, or maybe it won't be enough for your mounting medical costs. The houses that you worked your whole life for get foreclosed on, or, or maybe at some point your family shrinks and it's too big and you have to sell it and move somewhere smaller. Maybe the body that you slave hours and hours at the gym over, like me, uh, will age and will betray you. Those are your rewards? A generous life has no fear of being forgotten, being disappointed, being betrayed, being burgled or destroyed. A generous life's treasure, according to verse, 20, uh, verse 33, does not fail, and no thief can get to it, and no moth can destroy it. The deposits that I make through living a life pleasing to God will be waiting for me in heaven, and there's nothing you can do about that. Nothing. Isn't that incredible? And that give you courage? A generous life is fearless because it's rewarded. Number four, a generous life is fearless because it's peaceful. Look at verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What your treasure is, is where your affections are drawn to. Let me give you a really stupid illustration. When I was, uh, when I was growing up, um, I used to admire, I had a friend of mine who got a guitar and started to play it, and I really admired um, his skill on the guitar. And I thought, I'll get a guitar and I'll be like that. That didn't happen. But I remember asking my parents for a guitar, and I never thought in a million years I'd get it. I had no concept of money. I didn't know how much things cost. You can ask my parents when I was 16, and I was like, so what are we doing about a car, right? Like, I had no concept of money or anything like that, but I knew guitars were expensive. I just knew they cost a lot, right? I just assumed because they were so valuable, they seemed so valuable to me, right? And so when my parents got me that guitar, I remember I was so excited. I can't think of another gift I've ever received from them where I was more excited when I got that guitar, I was proud of it, and my affections were on it. I took care of it, right? I constantly cleaned it, right? You have to play it to clean it, but anyway, I, I, I cleaned it. I drew pictures of it in art class, right? We would have to practice our shading or whatever. Draw whatever you want, my guitar, <laughs> right? But then, you know what? I, I realized it, it didn't really lead me to peace because it wasn't a nice guitar. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about guitars. I didn't know the name brand or anything. I knew it was my guitar, and, but it wasn't very nice, and it couldn't be adjusted. So the neck started to bow, and I couldn't play it anymore, and we couldn't adjust it, and ultimately, we had to just get rid of it, right? It didn't really leave me with any peace, but my affections were firmly on it because I treasured it, right? Maybe you have a better example. Maybe you think about a relationship, where your affections were firmly and mainly on this relationship, on this person. Did it lead you to peace? Let me ask you that. Did it lead you to peace? Were you safe in that relationship? What happened when they let you down for the first time? Or displayed their fallibility that we all have? Did that relationship last? Does this peace that this relationship offer, can it carry over into your financial life? Oh man, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. All you need is love, right? Isn't that what the Beatles said, right? Come here, baby. We don't, who needs bills, right? They carry over your financial life, your family life, your, your personal life, your professional life. A generous life, one that's focused heavenward, constantly has its affection redirected to the Lord, and there and only there 
is lasting peace. Jesus said this about his peace. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be, don't be troubled or afraid. Think about that. The peace that he gives, no one else can give you. Why? Because this peace can only come from a sovereign God. This peace can only come from the one on the throne and in control and can orchestrate all things together for the good of those who love him. I don't care how much peace you have looking at a giant bank account. How is that going to give you peace when your spouse starts to slip away in disease? I don't care how much peace you get from a relationship, right, when you turn on the news and you see that children are gunned down in your country. Where are you going to get peace like that? What peace is going to get you through those things? I don't care what kind of peace you get, maybe from the community of people that you have. I've got great friends, a great support system. When you're sitting there on a table and a doctor says to you, there's something in you that will probably kill you. We're going to try our best to kill it, but that might kill you. Where's your peace then? The only peace that can help in any of those situations can only come from a sovereign God sitting on a throne who can orchestrate all things together for your good. The only peace comes from that God. A generous life constantly has its affections redirected to the Lord, the Prince of Peace. Think about it. Living to honor God is now my treasure. So that's my focus. So the more I look to the Lord, the more my affections grow for him. Matthew 6, 22, Jesus said, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, so your whole body is filled with light. So if you're looking to God, your focus is there, you're striving to please God, how he does things, and as your treasure is there, then your whole self begins to change. Isn't that incredible? And if you don't believe me, like, like try it. Go and be generous and be faithful to what you know honors God and pleases God and see how he changes you through it. Every fourth Sunday, we go down to Jackson Avenue to feed some people down there and just bring them blankets and, and whatever else we can and just spend time with them. We're going next Sunday. If you'd like to go with us, you can meet us here in the lobby at 2.30. That'd be great. But, but as we've gone to Jackson Avenue, you know whose lives have been changed? I don't know about the people on Jackson Avenue, but I've been changed. I think differently. My affections are different towards people down there. When we went to New Mexico to spend time on the reservation, I've never been on a reservation. I've been accused of being off a reservation my whole life. I didn't understand that. But I've never been on a reservation. But my life was changed spending time with those people. Spending time in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. I don't know about the people there, but it changes me. Giving to people and giving to other needs in other people's lives. I don't know about their life, but it changes me. Focused on the Prince of Peace, what does a generous life have to fear? So in summary, a generous life is fearless because it's inspired by the generosity of God, because it's focused on the eternal kingdom of God, because it's rewarded, and because it's peaceful. I'd like to end just reflecting on who God is, if, if you don't mind. If you do mind, like, whatever, I got a microphone, you don't. But as I started to think about, like, living a generous life, why would God call us to this? Do you know why? Because this is who God is. You understand? As I started to think about the Trinity, as I started to think about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, I started to see different examples of generosity in them. 
And as I saw those examples, it was something that I could apply to my life. It was something that could change my life. Could we just spend a few moments here in closing just chewing on the generosity of God and the Trinity? Look at the Father first. Think about this, the Father. What does he teach us? He teaches us that giving is the highest expression of love. 1 John 4.10 says this, This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It doesn't say that this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, period. It says he loved us in what? He expressed that love how? He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. As I look at the Father, I realize that if I don't give, if I'm not generous, then I don't love. Then I looked at the Son, and, and I realized that he teaches us that giving costs us dearly. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So when I think about the sacrifice of Jesus, what he did was he saw, he saw the need. He wanted to give himself right to that need to make us righteous, to bring us back to the Father. And he saw that cost. He saw it was going to cost him dearly. He saw that it was going to cost him everything. And he says, worth it. Jesus showed us that to give will cost us dearly. You know, a lot of times I measure whether or not I should give to something by the cost of it, Right? That's gonna be too difficult. That's gonna take too much of my time. That's that's gonna take too much of my resources. I'm gonna have to sacrifice too much. So you know what? I'll pray for you, I'll see you later. Jesus shows us that giving costs us dearly. The third uh, thing and, and the last thing is the Holy Spirit he, he teaches us that giving is a commitment. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit's always with us. He doesn't just come to us and say, Hey, how you doing? Good? Good? Cool. All right, I'm out, right? No, he's always with us. And then it says, he'll bring to remembrance what I've taught you. So he's regularly reminding us of the things that we regularly keep forgetting. The Holy Spirit continually gives. He's made a commitment to be with us and to be generous to us. Sometimes giving isn't one and done. We like to do it that way, right? Like now's a good time for me to give, right? I just got my, my tax return, so this works out great, right? So now's a good time to give. Who needs something, right? You, you, you. I'm done. See you in January, right? But giving sometimes is a commitment. Maybe it's a commitment to, to the church. Regularly giving is a commitment to the church or an organization. Maybe it's to a person. Maybe you're called to be generous and give your life to a person. Maybe it's someone who needs your counsel. Maybe they need your shoulder to cry on. Not just one time, not just two times, but maybe weekly, maybe daily for a while. You generously give yourself to somebody else. Giving is a commitment. I want us to close in, in prayer, and then we're going to take communion together. But I, I'd like to close um, asking the Lord to, to make us generous like he's generous. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to live fearlessly. Something this world can't do. Literally can't do. The only way they can do it is they're stupid. But Lord, we can wisely live fearlessly. 
as we live generously. So Lord, thank you for that gift. That's an incredible promise, an incredible gift. God, my prayer for myself and for everyone in this room is that our, our giving would express love. That Lord, we wouldn't just simply talk the talk with people, tell people we love them, but God, we would be generous with our time, with our energy, with our resources, and express our love in that highest form by giving ourselves. Lord, I, I pray our, our, our giving would express love. I also pray that um, we would give despite the cost. That, Lord, we would see that, that even though it might cost us, it might cost us a sacrifice, there's nothing we can't give that you can't give back even more so. We can't outgive you. And so, Lord, we follow the example of you, follow the example of you, Jesus, who gave all. Lord, may, may we live so generously that, that, that we people would see that in us. They'd catch a glimpse of Jesus. We reflect you in that way, in our generosity. And also, Lord, may we be committed in our giving. I understand that that takes us, um, makes us have to prioritize a lot. It, it brings us to a point of organizing our life in such a way to, to prioritize our time and our energy and our resources to what matters the most. I pray we would do that. That we would commit to giving. We'd commit to living generously. Whatever that costs. So Lord, we thank you for giving all for us. And may we give all back to you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to uh, take communion as we close here today. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask if you're coming to serve communion, if you would, um, take your places at these tables. Um, we're going to dismiss you by row. You'll come forward, take the bread, dip it in the juice, take it, and return to your seat. Before we do that, I'd, I'd like to read out of 1 Corinthians Paul's instruction on taking the Lord's Supper. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after, sup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We um, take the Lord's Supper not as some empty um, ritual, not some as just some religious I don't know, just, not just some habit that we do. We take this as a time to remember the Lord, what he's done for us. Remember his body broken, remember his blood spilled out. And so before we dismiss you by rose, we could give you a moment to stop at your seats and just think and pray and, and seek the Lord. And ask the Lord, Lord, are there things in my life that, that would bring me to this table in an unworthy manner? Are there things in my life that, that would not honor you? And may the Lord bring that to you and may you confess it and turn from it and give it to him. And just ask that the Lord remove all obstacles in your life now. So would you with me now bow your heads and spend that time reflecting upon the Lord, reflecting upon your life and ask him to bring clarity so that we would come to his, his table worthy.
Lord Jesus, be honored in this time. Be lifted up. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your generosity towards us. And God, I ask that it would inspire in us to live in such a way this week um, to honor you, to point others towards you um, through our actions, through our words. Um, so Lord, we, again, we thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you, would you stand with us? And we're going we're gonna to dismiss. Isn't it been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Hasn't it been good? Amen. Well, I just want to say may the Lord bless you and keep you. Um, we'll see you Tuesday night uh, for prayer service, all right? It's been good to have you. We love you. We'll see you later. You're dismissed.